You are now listening to the Rose of Sharon Church podcast. It is our prayer that God challenges your heart during this week's message. If you would like to let us know what God is doing in your life, please email us at rostnshare at gmail.com. We're glad you're here. Welcome home to Rose of Sharon Church. That what we have already talked about, and that is about the church, about who makes up the church, believers, those that are being made, those that are being built. We are not talking about when we speak about church as a building, we are speaking about individuals. We are speaking about the collection of saints that gather together. And as we've spoken about recently, we spoke about... The church's birth was not on the day of Pentecost. But it was rather the introduction of the world to the church on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost fell. The church had already been established as we talked about in Matthew chapter 4 verses 18 through 20 and Matthew chapter 16 verses 13 through 18. We'd already stated that the Lord was already making and building His church already. And the church was debuted in power as an empowered church on Acts chapter 2 whenever the Holy Ghost fell. And the Word of God tells us in Luke chapter 24, verse 49... It says this, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Brother and sister, understand something. The church only made its debut whenever it was endued with power. Understand, brother and sister, the church, number one, cannot be effective in seeing lives changed without first being empowered by something that can change lives. You can only make a difference when you have something that changes lives. Realize this. A religious organization cannot change your life for a lasting effect. You really want freedom? It comes not from a religious duty, but brother and sister, what really grants you freedom is whenever you get a hold of the Lord Jesus Christ and allow Him to change you, allow Him to work in you, and allow Him to do something awesome in your life. And realize this, the church, it's not by accident that the church was not organized on the day of Pentecost, but it was empowered on the day of Pentecost. Their introduction came not on a letterhead, not on a website, but it came under the very power and the direction from Almighty God. It was something that was supernatural. Jesus, help me this morning. It was supernatural. Realize this, brother and sister. The church itself cannot be able to change the world 
whenever it is only backed by religious organization, it takes something more than that. It takes a divine encounter and a divine empowerment of the Holy Ghost for you to be changed and for you to be able to change others. How can you loose anybody out of a prison cell if you don't have either the key to get into it or you don't have the power to break them out of it? Brother and sister, I'm here to tell you something. It is all about the power of the Holy Ghost. And the moment that the power of the Holy Ghost descended, all of a sudden, things began to change. The church came on the scene and all of a sudden, the world began to focus on the church. Why? Because there was power that was there. Understand something? They gathered together in Acts chapter 1, and they began to pray. And I challenged you to pray. And I'm still challenging you to pray. They became unified in prayer. They even did a business meeting on uh, in Acts chapter 1. And they were still ready to receive when the Holy Ghost fell. Understand this. We are as a church of individuals. But the church was empowered when they gathered together. Let me just share this with you brother and sister. In a world that is divided all in all manner of ways. Okay? We are demanding, let me tell you something, brother and sister. It is amazing what has happened probably within the last 20 to 30 years. We have become so divided as a nation. We've become so divided. For some odd reason, now you have, it's no longer we are just Americans. Now we are Irish Americans, African Americans, Chinese Americans, Korean Americans, Indian Americans. We are Scandinavian Americans. I didn't even know that, but I met somebody. One of it was a Scandinavian American. I had been. We had all if you you know German American, French American, Spanish American. We got all kinds of 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 Americans. We are divided. By all kinds of, for some odd reason, it's no longer just a melting pot that we have become. The, you know, in, in our early history, we were a melting pot. People would come, especially at the beginning of the century, in the 1920s and 30s and 40s and 50s, you begin to see this melting pot of people that would come, and, and all of a sudden, the, we would take the best parts of their culture, and we would adopt it to our own. Hence, hamburgers. Thank you, Jesus. Pizza. Thank you, Jesus. All these things were adapted by Italian Americans or German Americans or this kind of American or that kind of American. And we brought it all together to a place and we just became Americans. For some odd reason, we've been divided so. And unfortunately, brother and sister, because we have been playing identity politics, what has begun to happen is you see it in the church as well. You see divisions in the church as well. Divisions along racial lines. Divisions along political lines. Divisions upon this and that and this and that and all kinds of stuff. 
But brother and sister, let me just share something with you here this morning. Understand this. When the church gets together in unity, brother and sister, good things happen. Realize this. Jesus in Luke 24 told them, go to Jerusalem because you're about to be endued with power from on high. They heard the truth of the message. Can I just share some of you? Can I just get on a soapbox for just a moment? And I will get off of it very, very quickly because I want to get to some good stuff in just a moment. But can I be able to share something with you? The moment that you hear somebody say, speak your truth. Can I tell you something this morning? That is not their truth. That is their opinion. We have watered down the word truth to such a point that we think everybody has a truth. The Everybody has an opinion. Everybody doesn't have truth. Because truth is something when you look it up, it is a fact that is beyond anything else. Speak your truth means nothing besides speak your opinion. And it's okay for you to have an opinion. But understand something. Truth vetoes opinion. Because truth is something that is settled. Oh, Jesus. Brother and sister, there's a reason why that Jesus himself calls himself the way, the truth, and the life. Realize this, brother and sister. The church needs once again to get together and have an Acts chapter 1 refresher party. When we get together and we begin to pray and we begin to see God do great things. Why? Because it's not my truth. It's not my church's truth. It's not my church's doctrine. But it is the doctrine of Almighty God. He is the truth and He is the life. My Lord have mercy. We got, oh gee, I ain't got time for this. We have so many Gospels. And really what so many Gospels are this, where they take certain passages of Scripture and they stretch them to the very nth degree. We've got, the so, we've got a social justice Gospel. We've got a prosperity gospel. We got a word of faith gospel. We got this kind of gospel and that kind of gospel. Can I just be able to share some with you? All of those gospels you can find in the Word of God. But it's time that we stop taking one little bite and begin to somehow begin to twist it and just say, Lord, give me the full truth of the gospel and let me get in where you've called me and let me begin to experience your full truth. Because in that truth, honey, that is where you will find life. That is where you will find your way. That is where you will find deliverance. That is where you will find exactly what you need. Woo, Lord Jesus. Woo, Lord have mercy. There's a reason why some people preach a gospel and you'll look at them and go, what? And the only thing at the end of it is a political march. Honey, let me tell you something. At the end of the gospel, 
will not be the end or the beginning of a political march. What it will be is an altar where you can meet Jesus Christ and you can begin a brand new walk. And the walk will say all that you need to be able to say. Oh, Jesus. Brother and sister, this morning I pray that once again as the church that we will not get called up I, I tell you, during this, this, let me just, once again, let me just step on this Kavanaugh thing, Lord, this, 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 this uh, kind of a box or, or, yeah, let me just say this. I was on Facebook, try, I've, I've kind of got to a point, I try to stay off of it as much as possible. Because over this week, the only thing I saw was just fighting. The only thing I saw was just this one against the, uh, for Kavanaugh, this one against Kavanaugh, this one for this one, and this one for that one, this one for this one, and this one and that one and that one and that. And I began to, I, there was a brother that I, I know, he wrote something that when I heard, when I saw the wording of it, I knew what he said, but I knew he stepped in it. Because from that point on, it's like 50 different comments. And just bang, 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 with all of a sudden, it was supposed to mean something that was meant to be something that was uplifting, and it just, boom, it became a fight and a street fight. Where this one said this, and this one said that, and that one said that, and I sat there and I was listening to it, and I said, my God in heaven, God did not call the church to fight over a Facebook post. Oh, Can I, can I go on and just take just a moment for just a second? Let me just say this very, very carefully. I don't know how many of you are on Facebook. Let me tell you something. There's a few things if you're on Facebook I'm going to ask you to do. Number one, that is this. Get on our Facebook page and promote whatever it's going on. Post, comment, do something like that if you don't mind. And everybody said amen. Second thing I can be able to say is this. Whenever you're on Facebook, remember this. Don't be stupid. Don't be stupid. Sometimes the wisest thing that you can be able to do is to be able to not say anything and just go on and scroll down the page. Take your hands off the phone and say, I'm not going to answer that. There comes a moment that I realize that sometimes me posting something is not where I need to be posting it, but really what I need to be doing is taking it to the Lord in prayer. And I need to bathe it before prayer before I whine about it on Facebook. Come on. We get to a point that we just all the time we post and there, amen. And there's some people that can I just be able to share something with you? Facebook is a great place to be able to put out information. But, brother and sister, if you really want to change somebody's life, it will not be over a post, 
no matter how spiritual it may be, but it will transform somebody's life if you will put the truth in your heart and if you will walk before them in righteousness and be what God has called you to be. Let me just say this. Acts chapter 1, man, they got together and they prayed. And when they prayed, the Holy Ghost fell. And the Holy Ghost began to pour out of them. People got, it got their attention. And all of a sudden, the world began to look at what God was doing to those believers. And the power of the Holy Ghost began to be made manifest. And in the midst of being made manifest, guess what happened? 3,000 came to know Jesus Christ. 3,000. That is what the difference, and this is the reason why, that what we need more than anything else is a touch of God in every service, a touch of God in our life when we go to Kroger, a touch of God when we go to McDonald's, a touch of God when we go to Walmart, a touch of God on a Wednesday night, on a Sunday morning, or any other time we get together. Why? Because it's the moments when God shows up I can change lives. My question is this. Why in the world do we become so... Oh, God, help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Why in the world do we come to such a place that we get so impatient and we will not even allow God a scintilla to be able to let Him move in many places? Let me tell you. Oh, Jesus. Y'all love me. I hope y'all love me for just a moment. But God, God, I just... Can I just share something with you? Whenever the presence of God is moving, I don't care, I don't care what your emotional makeup is. Well, Brother Tim, I'm not very emotional. Not very emotional at all. Can I be able to share something with you? I don't give a rip about it, your emotion. What I do care, and that is this, about your heart. And when the presence of the Lord begins to move and you begin to feel the presence of the Lord and whether you, if you can't stand up or if you just got to sit down or if you just got to lay on your back or what, however, if, you gotta, if your foot is falling asleep and you got to throw your foot up in the... But if the presence of the Lord is moving in the building... I'm going to tell you something. There should be a moment that your heart goes out to the Lord. And guess what? It doesn't matter if you shout, buck, run, or anything else. There has to be a reaction somehow. And honey, that's what I'm looking for this morning. I'm looking, that's what Jesus is looking for. He's not looking for you to get up and run all over the place. That's me, okay? I'll run. And brother, I'm here to tell you something. If you haven't run in the presence of the Lord, you need to try it because it feels really good. <laughs> Let me share some with you. Where, however you react, there must be a reaction. Why? Because I'm here to tell you something. When my daughter, she gets hurt, I react. Why? Because she has my heart. Something's going on when she got into a club, when she won, a, you know, she ran for a... a, 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 a uh, some kind of office in Hosea or something future. I, I don't know. Why, I'm not even sure. Some, it's something about the medical field. The club over at the high school. She won uh, an election and she became a junior represent, representative for Hosea. And I was like, and you know what? I didn't run for it. 
It wasn't my name on the ballot. But guess what? It was hers. And when she came walking in and she had texted me and she says, I won. I was like. Now realize something. That had nothing to do with me being in the middle of it. But she has my heart. And guess what? Whenever something happens to her, it affects me. Let me ask you something, brother and sister. When the presence of the Lord moved in this place, how did you react to it? I was watching somebody pick their hair. I wanted to throw a drumstick. And then I just had to close my eyes. You may say, Pastor Emma, you just must feel the presence of the Lord. Sometimes it's me trying to pray through because I realize I got to preach in just a moment. Understand, brother and sister, realize this. Whenever the Lord begins to move and your heart is connected to Him, it will move you. And whether you have to sit with a sit, you know, sit, uh, on, your, on your seat and you just lift a hand or however it is, brother and sister, whenever you begin to respond, what begins to happen, it becomes an echo chamber of the presence of the Lord. And you begin to call out and say, Lord, you're awesome. And the Lord responds back and says, yes, I am. And yes, Lord, you're awesome. And he says, yes, I am. And yes, Lord, you're awesome. He says, yes, I am. And let me touch you in the midst of my awesomeness. And all of a sudden, you get blessed because you're just responding to him. And then what we'll do is, after service, if we haven't felt the Lord, we'll go back and we we'll go, that preacher. Preacher. Needs to move on. Needs to. But brother and sister, really? Understand something. Understand this, my friend. Whenever that heart gets in the middle of it, and it begins to call out to the Lord, it doesn't matter how long you still want more of it. You want more of it. Why? Because it is a thing that sustains you. It is a thing that elevates you. It is a thing that blesses you. He has your heart. Lord, have mercy, sweet Jesus. Dear God, I haven't even got to where I was needing to go today. Lord Jesus, God. I said, let me just share something with you. 3,000 come to know Jesus whenever the presence of the Lord shows up. And it, is, and it all of a sudden is echoed to the crowd around them of what God has been doing inside the building. It explodes outside of the building. And all of a sudden, God shows up in power. My brother and sister... When God shows up in power, 3,000 are one to the Lord. Now, how do you know that? Because, well, that's what the Bible says. Let me just share some with you, brother and sister. Look here. Look here at, at uh, let me drop down to uh, Acts chapter 2. Flip over and look at something. Listen what begins to happen. Just keep your finger here because I'm going to bounce around for just a moment. Acts chapter 2, verse 40, listen what the Word of God says. And with many other words, Peter testified and exhorted them. 
saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received His word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Brothers, you realize this. The power of God brought forth 3,000. If you're taking notes, you can be able to say this. The power of God plus a church equals 3,000. That's what begins to happen all of a sudden when the power of God begins to be made manifest. The church explodes in growth. My question is this. And sister, why did the Holy Ghost be poured out on the church and the church was formed? Why is that? Somebody yell it out at me. Why is that? They were obedient. They went. But let me ask you this. Why? Why? What was the reason for the Lord to send the Holy Ghost? That's probably to empower them for what? To witness. He was empowering them to witness. How do you know that? Look at Acts chapter 1. Look at Acts chapter 1. Flip over there because I want you to look at it. It's one page over. Acts chapter 1, look at verse 8. Look what the Word of God says. And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And what? And you shall be witnesses... To me, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the earth. It starts in Jerusalem, where the Holy Ghost fell. And it spills over to Judea, which is the province in which Jerusalem is situated. And it moves to Samaria. That is the neighboring province. That was right next to Judea. And then from where? Then to the uttermost parts of the world. Brothers, just to realize something. The power of the Holy Ghost was poured out in you not for you to sit in a church and go, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, He was not poured out for us to be a bless me club, a charitable club, a social club. Or a religious dead organization. He was poured out on us. So that we might become the hands and the feet of Jesus extended. So that we may witness of what God has done in our lives. Now realize this. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 tells us that we will be empowered to be witnesses. Can I tell you also something else? Look at Matthew chapter 28. Look over at Matthew chapter 28. Look at verse 18. Jesus gave a couple of last admonishments to his disciples. One of them was found in Matthew or in Luke 24 when he said, Go to Jerusalem until you be endued with power. 
One of the other things that he told the disciples is recorded in Matthew chapter 28. Look here. Verse 18. Listen to what the Word of God says. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Verse 19. Now catch this. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Realize this, brother and sister. I'm about to blow your mind for just a moment. The church's primary mission is not for you to come to church and have a service on Sunday morning. It's not to gather together on a Wednesday night. It's not to gather together on a Sunday night. It's not to gather together to do anything like that. Your primary mission given by God is not to come and just be able to lift each other up and just say, bless you. No, bless you. No, bless you. No, bless you. The Lord has stated that the church's primary directive is what? What is the church's primary directive according to Matthew 28, 18, verse 20? Do what? What is it? Put up verse 19. I don't know if anybody read it here. I mean, go and make what? Disciples. <laughs> Lord, I'll turn around there and he's got the, the camera pointing right at my rear end. Thank you very, very, very much, Brother Glenn. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord Jesus. Uh, realize this. He says this. Go and make what? Disciples. Go and make disciples. Go and make what? Let me ask that again. Go and what? Make disciples. Realize this, brother and sister. And listen. You are not being what God has called you to be if the only thing you do is just come to church. You will hold an account for that. God will judge you. It's called the great or the judgment seat of Christ. Do you realize this? I ain't got time to talk about it too much. But you can be able to begin to read it. The, the Peter begins to, or not Peter, but Paul begins to explain to us that every child of God will have to go through the judgment seat of Christ. That's where he judges each of us for what we do. It's not if we get in or out of heaven. We've made it, but it's about how 
the reward that we are able to receive from it. This is the reason why you can be able to do great, great, great things and your reward is very little in heaven. Why? Because you've done it in the wrong attitude or you've done this and that. And Let's just realize this. When you get saved, it's not about just going to the altar and coming to church. That's part of it. It's not all of it. Realize this. Your job, your main job description as the church is this. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Go, therefore, and make disciples. What are disciples? Disciples are those that are in a position where they are learning the teachings of Christ. They have been saved and they are learning the basic tenets. They are growing in their relationship with the Lord. They are learning about Jesus and they become that student of the word that sit at Jesus' feet. Realize this, brother and sister. Your job is not just to see them saved. Say that again. Your job is not just to invite them to come to church so they can come to an altar and get saved. Their, your job is not just to be able to share Christ and say, ooh, let me pray for you. Your job does begin with, yes, you need to tell them about Jesus. But whenever it comes to a place of telling them about Jesus, you then have the responsibility to begin to pour into them and to disciple them. Realize this. Look up there. Show me one place where it says your pastor. Is anywhere in there? Find one disclaimer that says this. If you are so-and-so, then you don't have to do this. If you are so such age, you don't have to do this. If you are this, then you don't have to do this. If you have a, um, you know, if you're shy, then you can't be able to do this. If you're this, you can't be able to do this. What he says in that is this. Go and make disciples. There's no disclaimer. There's no preemptive kind of statement that exempts you from anything. What he says is this, go tell somebody about the Lord, see them saved, but don't stop there. Go forward and disciple them. Listen, can I just share something with you? Every person in this building that knows Jesus Christ needs 
to be discipling somebody. Everybody? Everybody. You need to have somebody in your life that yes, you are, you are actively pursuing, trying to be able to share the gospel with them. But second of all, whenever they receive, you need to be active in giving what you know about Jesus to them. But sister, the church has a role in it. This morning, I, have to, I come back next week as we talk about the church's role. But let me just share with you this, brother and sister. You, you have the obligation as a child of God to not just sit in a seat and in a pew and just wait for Jesus to come back. You have an obligation to not just sit and wait, but the Lord has called on you and sent the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And understand something. If the bab oh my Lord Jesus, if the baptism of the Holy Ghost has been poured out in your life, and it is up to date in your life, and it is flowing in your life as it should, it should constantly cry out for you to share the gospel and for you to disciple somebody. The Holy Ghost is not made for us. Right? It's not made just for that. It feels good when He falls. But understand this, the Holy Ghost was not sent for you to get your Shandai on. It was sent so that you could be effective in, the, in evangelizing and telling people about Jesus. My question is this this morning, brother and sister. How effective have you been in sharing the gospel? My question is this to you is, how many are not only actively sharing the gospel but how many of you are actively discipling somebody can I, can I just share this and then we're, we're going to close and I'm going to pray more because I got a ton of stuff and I don't have time to get into it can I share this with you brother and sister this morning You never. How many, let me ask you this question. How many of here in this building would say, Pastor Tim, I have been saved less than three months? That's you. I want you to just lift your hand up. Okay? Good. Praise God. Praise God. How many of you would say this? I have been saved less than six months. Put your hand up. I've known Jesus less than six months. All right? Let me ask you this. How many of you would be able to say, I have been saved? Less than a year. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. See, I like young converts. 
I like folks like this. You know why? Just realize something. They're usually hungry to learn. They're hungry to experience. Let me ask you this. How many here would say, Pastor Tim, I have been saved for less than five years. You've been saved less than five years, throw your hand up. Right? If you've been three months, six months, a year, or up to five years, throw your hand up. You've been saved less than, less than a year, throw your hand up. Five years, throw your hand up. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let me ask you this. How many here say, Pastor Tim, I have been saved for less than ten years? Ten years or less. Praise the Lord. And then the rest of the five years, you can go ahead and throw your hand up too. Praise God. Just throw it up. Yeah. yeah praise God. Praise God. Okay, good. Good. Now let me ask you this. How many would say this? I have been saved for 15 years or less. Throw your hand up in the air. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Let me ask you this. How many of you are here and say, Pastor Tim, I've been saved for more or for 20 years or less. Throw your hand up in the air. 20 years or less. Go on and throw, I know you're, some of your arm, you act like your arm. You don't have to use the same arm. Use your other arm if you need to. Just throw it up. Yeah. Just throw your hand in the air for a second. Now let me ask you this. How many of you here would say, Pastor Tim, I have been saved for 25 years or less. Throw your hand up in the air. The question is this. How many of you here have been saved for more than 25 years? Throw your hand up. Praise God. Now, brothers, let me share something with you for just a second. Some of you didn't lift your hand up. So my question is this. Does that mean that you don't know Jesus, or does that mean you're just lazy? Hallelujah. I'm not sure exactly which one. Now, this is the thing. The reason why I ask that is this. We have probably a third, probably five years and, and younger, maybe a, little, maybe a little bit more, whatever. Another third that's from five to 25, and then over, way over a half, it's 25 years and more. That's unscientific as it can be. But can I be able to share something with you? Can I share something with you? My question is this. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you a question. Do you know where the five years and younger learn what it is to be Pentecostal? Learn what it is and how to live for God? By watching those that are 25 years and older. My question is this also. How many here that are 25 years and older actually put yourself in a position that you can be able to share your wisdom? How many of you here have all this wisdom, but yet you take it home with you? 
You sit in your chair with it. This is your why, why why are you being so crude this morning? I'm not being rude, I'm not being crude, but listen. Realize this. The church can only thrive and grow as the people that are able to disciple others. You know why we do fellowship and try to be able to do fellowship before service? Why we do fellowship at men's and women's times? Why we try to be able to, to make things in places where that you interact and you talk is because too many of the times there is no interaction or talking. Why why you say, well, cause, well it's easy because past Tim, well, because it's very easy why this not. Because if you are somebody that's 30 years of age and younger, and you are 60 years and older, sometimes your worlds don't actually kind of fit at times. But guess what? Sometimes you may have to look for a way to be able to talk. But whenever you begin to dig down and you hit pay dirt, that is the Word of God and how I live, that becomes the sweet spot where that you can be able then to begin to share all kinds of other wisdom. Why? Because you are pouring into them. Your life may be different, but it's still always the same. Relationships with others, relationships at work, relationships at home, relationships. Guess what? If you've been living for a while, you know relationships. You know the Word of God, how they fit together. It may not be in the middle of social media. It may not be in the middle of whatever is hip and new right now. But that wisdom is needed in the body of Christ. Let me just share something with you, brothers and sisters. We need to pray about this. We need to pray about this. Because that wisdom is needed, not on a pew. It's needed in Sunday school classes. On Wednesday night impact classes. It's needed in the nursery. It's needed in your neighborhood. It's needed in your family. It's needed by your neighbors. It's needed on the van. It's needed in places. Brother and sister, why? Because I, if you'll look at that, it says this. Nowhere does it say that, Pastor, you go and make disciples. But he looks at his disciples. He says this, all of you, the great commission to all of us, Go and make disciples. I kid Brother Jim all the time about McDonald's. He's got his, he's got his, his, his small group that he meets at McDonald's. I love that. I love that. My question is this. 
Why can't we all make a small group of somewhere? You don't have to be at McDonald's because there's not enough room because he's got a large small group, if you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> why can't we make a small group? You're working lunch. Come on and get together. What's going on in your life? Tell me what's happening in your life. Get together at a cup of coffee before church. Tell me what's going on in your life. What's happening in your life? What begins to happen is you are opening up doors that you can be able to pour godly wisdom into somebody. Disciple. Brother and sister, I can only disciple in that which I know. Brother and sister, I'm calling on you to disciple what you know, but to also continue to grow so that you can be able to pour out more. As you saw the hands that was five years and younger. They need spiritual heroes. Let me tell you about my, one of my spiritual heroes as I get ready to, to dismiss and I get ready to pray. And everybody here said amen. Yes, thank you, Jesus. I always get the biggest amen when I say that. But you know what? Your, my, one of my biggest spiritual heroes is somebody that never stood behind a pulpit. I never called pastor. I never called him anything but this. Sister Blaylight. Sister Blaylight. You know why? Because she was my Sunday school teacher. I think that I, she was the only one that could be able to handle my type of hyperactive energy. Because every time that I was promoted to the next class, she was promoted too. you know what she taught me well when I went into Bible college and I began to sit down and I began to study New Testament survey Old Testament survey began to go through the judges and go through the Pentateuch and begin to go through a lot of these 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 groupings of scripture and begin to pour into them begin to realize something begin to realize something she had poured into me more than I actually realized the survey class was easy as pie because somebody had poured into me I knew it because somebody had poured into me talking to somebody the other day grew up in church they was walking far from, from far from God and as I was talking to them they're out in California now and, and talking to them about Jesus about returning and he out of the blue he just said this he told me this he said I remember he called out his Sunday school teacher's name and some of the lessons 
realize this there's a reason why that our culture is losing the ability to govern itself you realize this that even thomas jefferson said this that democracy our style of government can only be able to succeed if more if moral people governed it and were elected to it you wonder why that a time whenever church age has fallen can't already get people to come to church anymore we've bypassed it as something that is old old set of morality old set of way of living but as we have grown so far away from the moral code of who Christ is and what is right and what is wrong we could no longer seemingly be able to hardly be able to govern ourselves why because we've got my truth and that truth and this truth and that truth and without coming to a place that we understand what is truth we can't be able to come to a place to be able to recognize it sister I'm calling on you tonight or this morning Take what God has put inside of you and begin to use it. To begin to pray and ask God, God, who is somebody that I can pour into? Who is somebody that I can pour into? Who is somebody that I can be able to speak into their life? God, do you want to use me for a season helping me at this group of, of students? You want to help me, dear, dear God, are you, what are you calling me to? Man, talk to Jesus about it. He wants to use you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Hey, God, Lord, I've spoken from the heart today. Lord, I might as well not even brought a set of notes up here this morning. Dear God, Lord, church is more than just a service. It's an experience where we come into the presence of the Lord. He changes us. We must have a moving of the presence of the Lord for there to be total and radical change. Dear God, we must have people to take those individuals that are changed and begin to teach them. Dear God, it's more than just one, what one person can do. It's more than what one staff member can do. We must have more. We must have participation in the body of Christ. So in the name of Jesus Christ today, I pray, Almighty God, Lord, that you may, dear God, help us that we may be able to become what you have called us to be, I pray. And dear God, Lord, that we may begin to share what you have been sharing with us. And we grow the knowledge, dear God, Lord, of those around us by what you have done in us. Dear God, Lord, that we may, dear God, be led to teach. Dear God, and be teachable when people want to pour into us. Lord Jesus, I pray now, oh God, that you may help us. 
How many here will say this, Pastor Tim, I truly want God to use me. And what I know, I want Him to begin to show me how to pass it off. To show you how to. To show you how to be effective. And sister, if that's you, I want you to just reach your hand up to heaven this morning right here. Say, that's me. I want the Lord to show me how. Right now, in the name of Jesus, if that's you, I want you to just stand to your feet across this building. Come on, if that's you, I want you to stand to your feet. Lord Jesus, you just say, Lord Jesus, I know that there's stuff inside of me. And your desire is that I find a way to pour it out. I tell you something, if that's not your prayer, then I, you just go on and just sit down for a moment. Can you stand up for just a moment? This morning, I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to ask God to begin to talk to you. I'm going to ask God to begin to show in your life ways to be able to pour out what God has been pouring into you. This is the thing this morning. I want you to pray and I want you to hear and I want you to be sensitive. Will you do me a favor and not immediately just say, No, Lord, I'm not going to do that. No, Lord, I'm not going to do that. Just understand something. It's in those moments that we really find the good stuff of where God is. Because we find unexpected victories and unexpected blessings whenever we walk in it. I want to pray for you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, dear God, right now, I pray, dear God, Lord, that you will touch. Dear God, we all have come into a place of understanding who you are. So now, Lord Jesus, I ask, Lord, will you grow us as disciples? Will you grow us as disciples? And not only will you grow us as disciples, Lord Jesus, but dear God, Lord, that you will also help me to grow to a point where I can be able to share others what you are sharing to me. Dear God, Lord, help me. Dear God, I may be struggling with anxiety or struggling with self-esteem or struggling with what-ifs and all of these things, but I pray right now in the name of Jesus that we may take those what-ifs and cast them to the Lord and just say, Lord Jesus, Will you start talking to me on how I can be able to be a disciple maker? Who is it that I can pour into? Who is it, Lord, that I can be able to give some of the advice or that you have shown me and begin to pass it down? I pray in the name of Jesus, will you show in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 This morning, 
and we'll pray for you and we're and I want you to leave this place recognizing this that the Lord wants to use you and he wants to move in your life if you'll give him the opportunity to will you pray will you just will you just tell just say pastor I am going to seek the Lord to be able to find where I can be